This episode of The Good Pop Culture Club is brought to you by First Republic Bank. The world is changing and your needs are evolving. As your focus turns to what matters most to you and your community, First Republic remains committed to offering personalized financial solutions that fit your needs. From day one, you'll be connected with a dedicated banker who will serve as your primary point of contact throughout your relationship with the bank. They'll be there to listen to you, understand your values, and meet you on your financial journey. Your banker can offer solutions that support your goals at any stage, from setting up a personal checking account, to refinancing household debt, to buying a first home. As your needs evolve, you can call or email your banker at any time for the support you need. Because First Republic believes what matters to you matters most. Learn more at firstrepublic.com. That's firstrepublic.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. You're listening to Hey, welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. It's the podcast where we talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days. My name is Marvin Yue, and joining us once again for episode 35, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian-American guest you. What up, Oh Jess? my God, we're at 35 already? Yeah. What? We've been in quarantine that long? I mean, we started this, what, like week two of quarantine, so... We did. Oh my <laughs> God, that's upsetting. But yay, what a fun 35 episodes it's been, guys. <laughs> Also joining us, professional culture editor, Han Wen. Hi. Yes. Professional culture editor. <laughs> <laughs> just culture. Han is just culture. She is the queen of all culture. I'm like, I'm like yogurt. <laughs> I'm cultured. Well, speaking of good culture, uh, on this episode, we're talking all about the House of Ho, the new HBO Max docu-soap about the Ho family, a Vietnamese-American billionaire family out of Houston, Texas. All seven episodes have been released since, I believe, last week? Yes, December 10th. I feel like you two have been talking about the show for the last month since you both got advanced <laughs> copies. I was just able to enjoy this this past weekend. And whew, what a ride. <laughs> but before we get to all that rich people reality show goodness, um, let's find out what pop culture is beginning us through our week. Um, Jess, what's popping? So I have been watching or re-watching, I should say, Grey's Anatomy from season one with my mother. <laughs> wow. I watch Grey's. I've been, I'm, a, I'm still with Grey's Anatomy 17 seasons later. Okay. And I have a few friends who are like with me in this boat. Has it been that and long? It has been oh, that yeah. long. The first episode aired in 2005. So That's it's been like at least 15 soap years. Opera levels of longness. I mean, I was still in high school when this came out. <laughs> When this first came out, and now I'm very far removed from that. So yeah, it's it's kind of oh my god, it's like literally been more than half my life that Grey's Anatomy has been on. That's and pretty I've unheard every of for episode. a show like a modern show, right? Yeah, for a modern primetime drama, I think it is B. It's it B E R. How many seasons was E R on air? On do you remember? Uh, I I think it's been on longer than that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, it's on seven. It's on season seventeen, and they're gonna keep going. Um, it's still I still think it's pretty good. I still watch it every week live. But my mother was watching, so I'll start because my mother was watching it with me, like when it was on air on ABC season seventeen, and she was like, "What is happening?" She's like, "They're all different," because she had watched like really <laughs> like up to season three, like way back when, like ten years ago, with me. So I was like, hey, you know, the whole series is like on Netflix. She's like, what? 
And as we covered last week, they now realize that they can watch Netflix on the TV. Yes. So we, she's been watching <laughs> Grey's Anatomy every single night, every single day. She's unemployed furloughed right now. <laughs> and I've been watching with her. And wow, like what a trip. It was, it was. Uh, Christina Yang is still fantastic. Sandra O's performance was amazing. And I do really miss the Christina Yang character in this. There's some definitely things that did not age well. Like there's some things that Derek did in seasons two and three that would have been an automatic deal breaker for me. Like the whole very like famous scene where he calls her a whore basically and slut shames her in the staircase. I was like, why are you back with this guy? He's now, a dick. Is that McDreamy or McSteamy? That's McDreamy. And I just don't get it that much. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just never found Derek that appeal. I thought he was an asshole. Yeah. And mm, so I was just like, if you called, if you slut shamed me after you slept with me and while you were still legally married and didn't tell me and you have the audacity to slut shame me, I'll be like, oh, hell no, sir. You are done. So, but uh, also like wild is seeing like baby George when he was still on the Aww. show and. Um, you know, Catherine Heigl before she like burned every bridge she had. Mm -hmm. And legitimately, the Izzy storyline is crazy. I cannot mm -hmm. believe that like we were supposed to sympathize with the, her character. Like, and that whole like Denny thing, like, you're fucking crazy. Like, you cannot <laughs> did you get, kill Did you get to ghost oh Denny God. yet? Yeah. So we, so we just got to where she cut <laughs> the Elved wire. And there's like an episode where she's freaking out. And I'm just like, Lady, you need to be on some meds and you need a psyche valve because this is not OK. Like, this is so unethical. Like, I am not on your side at all. How dare you drag your friends into your shenanigans and risk their careers for you and your fucked up sense of morals? And I'm just like, <laughs> you're terrible. Like, I also. Well, you know that they wrote her badly later because she's problematic, right? <laughs> I mean, yes, the person, yes. But, <laughs> yes, but yes. even just like, I mean, I, thinking back when I first watched this, I remember watching this like saga on air mm -hmm. as it was coming out weekly on primetime. And I must have been like literally like 13 years old or something mm. like that. And I remember it was the most like dramatic thing, but like, but like on the other side of like 28. And I'm just like, wow, all these people are very dumb. <laughs> Yeah. I, they're supposed to be my age, I think, at this time, right? You start your residency I mean, around your late fair, 20s. At that point, they've only known school. It's like their first job ever, right? It's like where and we were. I in know, and I still knew at my <laughs> first job, Marvin, you should not cut an elf head wire to circumvent <laughs> and risk the status of your hospital as a UNOS organ donation site. Nor drag your who you call your friends into your shenanigans. Nor have a mental breakdown over a dude you just known for like a few. Oh, she crazy. Uh -huh. They all crazy. But I'm like, that's good TV, right? So it's been a hoot. Um, my mother's commentary adds an extra layer of fun. She will just look at them. She's like, they're all crazy. Why they all sleep together like that? And yet she'll still watch. Uh, I think like, Mama Ju seems like a very she seems like a connoisseur of trash. To a degree. Um, and I think she likes, yeah, she, she watches stuff like, she likes anything with like the wife in the title. So if you have a <laughs> show that's like the good wife or like the president's wife or the pilot's wife or the time, like 
she's <laughs> she's in. And you know, Grace is like pretty. Some parts get a little racy, and you know, they have like gay people and like you know, um, you know, like black people, and like which sounds bad, but like you know, it's just like she's a middle aged old on mm-hmm. the older side. Asian mom, she's just like, oh, okay, she's fine with it. I think like having me create, you know, liberal mm-hmm. daughter. Seventeen seasons sounds like a real deep hole to fall into. Yeah, I mean, the mythology and the history of like. Grey's Anatomy is so deep at this point. It is funny because she'll be like, oh, isn't that when some new character comes up? She's like, oh, isn't that the lady who's so-and-so? I'm like, no, 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 no. That's the other blonde lady who's so-and-so. <laughs> yeah. But they also also slept with each other. But then she had his baby. But then they broke up. And then they. Ha- I was trying to explain the Oa, Owen, Amelia, no. Teddy triangle. And she kept getting Teddy mixed with Erica Hahn, who is another white blonde lady and she's like they all look the same i'm like that's fair yep yep but it's really entertaining to like watch with that commentary mm-hmm. so are you gonna introduce your mom to the next great shondaland production bridgerton I, coming out next week oh my god i should watch bridgerton with her you should actually like the racier will, the better yeah it'll be funny please let's have i mean yes let's have an, a bridgerton edition where you can just tell <laughs> You know, you have to make sure you note all of her comments. Watching Bridgerton with mom. I think that's a great. It, it was it was very <laughs> awkward because there was this one point. I think we were talking. I think I think Meredith was like trying to get over a breakup. And she's like picking up guys at the bar for one night stands, like in a series of one night stands. And my mom was like, oh, she's so crazy. Like only sleeping, sleeping with a guy who just met. Well, like doing that. And I'm just like. Very silently sitting there, like eyes wide, like mm, oh yeah, yeah, that's that's so crazy. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. but also cool. The first episode, like come on, but like that's the story. There's like a series yeah. of she like yeah. yeah. So okay. I'm just like let's not let's not go there right now. Yeah. But okay, I'm like you have to know. And then probably like oh girl, you gotta know, <laughs> you gotta know, right? <laughs> no, nope. So. Yeah, no, but it's been really fun. Um, it's it's a good show. Like, it's a good show. Like, it's characters are engaging the, the plot, the tension. Like, I mean, you know, it's crazy to see like baby Ellen Pompeo. It's literally <laughs> been fifteen years, and she got that bag now. But what, yeah, would would has recommend. She, has she done anything else besides Grey's Anatomy? No, she doesn't have to because she's <laughs> Meredith Grey on Grey's Anatomy. And do you know how much money she probably makes? Oh, yeah. That's a dream. I mean, I think, she's, I think she might have done some theater. But like on the screen, no. I guess when, if you don't have to try, if you don't have to go out and find a new job, why? Yeah, why would you? <laughs> like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you like IMDB or she's done some other little things, but really it's only Grey's. And, and it's actually to Gray's credit, they've been mm-hmm. able to adapt the show to Meredith as she has aged and entered different phases of her life. So, you know, she started off as at least it was a very romantic, drama heavy show about an intern and like a young woman. And then it proceeded into like her like being a wife and mom. And then I actually think the show got much more interesting again once Derek died. Sorry, spoiler. <laughs> because then the show became about <laughs> her again. And like, yeah. Yeah. So, well, what what I think is funny is like I stopped watching around season three, and I remember I was so devoted to the show because you're right, it's a really good show. I just couldn't take the soapiness after a while, and then, but and also my job got more difficult. 
because there's more TV. But um, I do have to say I kept up with all of the deaths because, you know, those have always been stories that we've had to write or, or keep track of. And yeah, like the deaths are some of them are really fucked up. Um, uh, George, yeah. of course. The, the airplane. Yeah. Season uh, finale was 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 serious. Fina- season finale was rough. That the shooter. Yeah. Uh, Pink Mist. Um, De- uh, Derek, of course. <laughs> People were so pissed. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. And so, that's the thing. That's what great Grace is so good at. What really gets me coming back is they're so good at sticking that season finale. Their season finales are phenomenal. Like they always find some way to put your characters in like ridiculous peril. Which like mm-hmm. one hospital should not face this much like tragedy, <laughs> which they even meta like joke about in one episode. Mm-hmm. And it's like, damn, Grey's like, okay, I'll keep watching another season. And at this point, it's like I I have to like stick with it till one of us dies. <laughs> <laughs> the f- the finale has the the series finale should be just like revealing that it, uh. Um, is it Seattle Grace? It's it, all um, in the snow globe. No, it's it's all in the snow globe. No, it's in a hell mouth, and that's why all of the deaths and all of, that's why all the bad things happen to it. So. Yeah, an alternate hell mouth version of Seattle. Yep, 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 yep. That would make more sense. Yeah, but that's what I've been doing. Han, what's popping with you? Okay, I'm gonna squeeze in two, and they're very diametrically opposed. <laughs> One is Hilda. It's a very sweet cartoon. Um, it's a British Canadian cartoon uh, made by Luke Pearson. He had done some storyboarding for Adventure Time. And um, it's about a little girl with blue hair called Hilda. She grew up in a little cabin in the woods. And there are all these myth- mythological creatures in the woods that she befriends and learns how to navigate. Um, it's kind of loosely based on Scandinavian folklore. So it's really cool. And then all of a sudden her mom upends her life and she moves her to Trollberg, which is a nearby city. Um, and so she has to make friends and go to school. Um, and her friends, let's see, Frida is this little black girl who's like an overachiever. David is a scaredy cat. He, I mean, like, and and like a wimp and all the stuff, which is great. I love him so much. Um, Hilda has a little pet that's a deer fox. And it's kind of exactly what it sounds like. It's the size of a fox, but it's white, but it has antlers. And it has a tail like a fox. And um, she's friends with an elf. And these elves are invisible unless you sign a contract with them. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, kind of like just school things that they do. Um, there's like, they want to be, they're sparrow scouts. So they also like get out in nature. Um, there's a lot of magic going on. Some, and there's some, sometimes some really creepy stuff going on. Um, like there was a rat king and there's like some sort of creature that would like haunt your dreams. So it's a little bit creepy for, um, youths. And, uh, I mean, Scandinavian folklore and European folklore in general are, are full of real creepy shit. Yeah. And so it's kind of sneaky because the animation style is very cute. I like it a lot. And then all of a sudden you're like, there's like the characters are empty eyed and like possessed. And you're like, what the hell happened? So I really enjoy that. And just the second season has um, dropped as of, I believe, yesterday. 
So um, if you want something kind of nice and gentle to watch with a tiny bit of scariness, then um, I'd recommend it. You know, short episodes, 22 minute episodes. Um, And then the other thing (laughs) I want to recommend is it's it's now Oscar season. Everyone's going trying to like get all of their big movies down um, and released under the wire. So that way uh, people can watch them. And then the Oscars are a little bit more delayed next year. But uh, one of the big movies that they're trying to get attention for is Promising Young Woman. Um, It's by Emerald Fennell. She had created... No, she had showrun the second season of Killing Eve. Um, She's She's also also Camilla on The Crown. Yes, uh, she's also an actress. Um, She's actually very funny. I like her a lot. And the film stars Carrie Mulligan as... Uh, a girl named, oh my God, what is her name? <laughs> I've been very excited for this movie. Yeah. Because it, it played at like Sundance, right? Or some yeah. some big I mean, festival. It's, it's had a lot of uh, festival attention. Um, so people have been expecting it. Oh, okay. So she's uh, Cassie. And so Cassie, when you meet her, kind of it seems like a loser because she had dropped out of medical school. She lives with her parents. She's about to turn 30. Oh, actually, she just turns 30. Um, But what you find out, and she works at a coffee shop. But what you find out is at night, she goes to clubs and then acts like she's super, like, blackout drunk. And then the guys who kind of pick her up and then try to take advantage of her, no matter how many times she says no or whatever, um, then she she all of a sudden, like, wakes up and then gets them. So she's been faking it, and then all of a sudden she, like, you know, uh before anything can happen to her and uh how she gets back at them is kind of a little bit more ambiguous but what i like about it is um that all of your favorite tv guys that you might have seen on tv like seth cohen adam brody on the oc um schmidt from new girl oh shit uh, piz from well Veronica um, Mars. Veronica Mars. Um, they all are the quote unquote supposed nice guys who are not that nice. And there are a bunch more, but those are the ones that I was like, holy crap. Oh my God. That's brilliant casting. Oh my yeah. God. It's a, it's so it's kind of like depressing because of course there's a reason why she is on this tear. And so there's, it's sort of sweet, sort of sad. Um, Bo Burnham is in it also. I like him quite a bit. He also wrote eighth grade which i really liked um and uh yeah her 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 parents are you'd recognize them too but it's mainly about her story about getting back at them it's uh a little bit glitzy so like the soundtrack kind of like what killing eve is like very pop and cool but like the activities are like oh my god this is making me very uncomfortable um at one point Two of the characters lip sync to a uh, Paris Hilton song, Stars Are Blind. Um, but yeah, so there are, you know, some twists and turns and some like nail biting moments. And uh, yeah, I think I think people will enjoy it, maybe. <laughs> Hard to say, but is it it's cathartic it's, at all. A lot of it is. Yes. And so it, the tone, that's why I was kind of setting up you up with the tone, which is not exactly, but somewhat Killing Eve season two. Um, there's that winkiness. Got it. I mean, that when, title when is, is it coming pretty... out? 
Well, it, um, oh my God. <laughs> Uh, I think it's coming out. Oh, it's coming out next week on Christmas. <laughs> so oh, Merry yes. Christmas. That is the perfect Christmas movie <laughs> I'm going to watch. Yeah. There's a ton of movies coming out on Christmas, not just Wonder Woman 1984, but um, Promising Young Woman and then like Soul uh, on Disney yeah, Plus. Right? News of the World um, and a bunch and a few more. But those are the big ones. And Promising Young Woman, I have to say, is I... I think it's probably a contender against Wonder Woman for the most feminist movie on Christmas. <laughs> Maybe that'll be like the Boxing Day movie. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so those are mine. And uh, I, I, I think you can enjoy both of them back to back. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Gotta, what, gotta have those swings. Yeah. What's <laughs> popping with you, Marvin? All right. So... Like many people, I have a love-hate relationship with Star Wars. Um, was super into it as a kid, was lukewarm with the prequels and with the new trilogy. I mean, despite having seen The Last Jedi twice, um, I still have yet to see um, The Rise of Skywalker um, just because I lost interest in it. Um, but last week, Disney had their investor day where they unveiled a ton of new projects, um, including Marvel projects and Disney projects. And... They unveiled a new slate of upcoming Star Wars movies and TV. And man, there's some cool stuff coming up. And I've realized something about myself, which is these days I'm much more interested in stories that don't have anything to do with the Skywalkers or Jedi. Um, I feel like non-Skywalker Star Wars is right now the best Star Wars. Yes, agreed. agreed. You, you are in like <laughs> company, Marvin. Because My favorite are the blaster pe- pew pew the pew pews. I call them the pew pews. Yeah, or even if there are Jedi, they're not the main characters, right? Because I think what I've realized from like the new trilogy is they're just telling the same stories over and over. It's like another yep. chosen one story, and I'm kind of more interested in everything else that's going on. And I love that, you know, as someone who grew up with Star Wars and read a lot of the you know, extended universe that's now non-canon, there are a lot of stories that can be told because this universe is vast. And you don't have to just focus on like the space wizards, right? There are space mercenaries, space smugglers, (laughs) space pirates, space spies, right? And this new slate of Star Wars properties is like hitting everything I want. Marvin, of all the projects they announced, which one are you most excited about? I mean, for me, definitely it's um, the announcement of Rogue Squadron directed by Patty Jenkins. Um, I'm super excited. I read a lot of the old Rogue Squadron books back in the day by Michael Stackpole. Um, I've played all the Star Wars flight simulator games, um, X-Wing, TIE Fighter, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Rogue Squadron, for those um, who are familiar with the lore, is a very famous um, squadron of elite pilots that was assembled by Luke Skywalker and Wedge Antilles. Um, and I'm very excited because hopefully it'll be like Rogue One, where we'll see a story from the perspective of people who are on the ground fighting um, in the cockpits and on the flight decks, uh, which is something that you don't really see that often in a Star Wars property. And I think also what made Rogue One so special. Oh, sounds so good. I mean, my my whole thing is like, like Jedi's. I feel like if you are a Jedi with those powers, like you in the fight, you don't got a choice. Like that's what you <laughs> signed up for. But like the people who are like just regular people who either have to decide to like fight or stay complacent or join the Empire, you know, like which is I think why people like Han Solo so much because he's not this like good or bad or like mm-hmm. I have to do it. Like that's he's. He's just like a regular person who's like, am I going to make a choice here? (laughs) And also, 
the best parts of any Star Wars movie are the space fights. The, the space dog fights, fights, right? And oh, if you have yeah. a whole movie the aerial full flying. of dog fights, I mean, that is the best possible movie, right? I can, if it's just, even if it's just like Mad Max where it's 90% dog fights, I would watch that movie because that's like, it's probably gonna be super expensive to make. But man, that'd be damn cool. I remember in middle school, I would just fast forward to those dogfight scenes like Battle of Yavin, the Battle of Endor, like the Snowspeeder scenes and just watch that mm-hmm. by itself because that's the most like to me, that's the most exciting part about Star Wars. Pilots are so cool. Like pilots <laughs> are cool in any universe and this yeah. universe with like Top Gun and Star Wars universe, like the helmet is so freaking cool. Yeah. And <laughs> like when they arrive and they all call off their call signs, like that's like the most. That was awesome. Like, I would watch I that. I think we all just really want a call sign, like, in life. Like, <laughs> yeah. what can regular people have call signs? Sure. Yeah. What's your call sign? <laughs> Actually, my, my, so my, my boyfriend took me to see, I had never seen Top Gun before. And he, that was like one of the, the, his family's like seminal movies growing Wait, up. The in original their household. Top Gun? Wait, that's... the original Top Did Gun. Did the new Top Gun come out yet? No. No, it was supposed to come out this year and it got delayed because of COVID. <laughs> But um, so so on one of our dates, we went to go watch Top Gun and like a outdoor screening. And I was just like, I was like in I was like three minutes in Top Gun. You know, Kenny Lodgins is playing and yeah. I was like, I Did get it. Take it. your breath away. I love this movie. <laughs> and then so we were walking back to the car and I was like, oh, like, do you think like what would my call sign be? You know, that's the conversation <laughs> everyone has after Top Gun. Right. I was like, what would your call sign be? And without without hesitating, he's like. Your call sign will be hot shot. That's your call sign. And I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, and he explained, he's like, like, number one, you're hot. Like, number two, Aww. like, you're good at shit. And like, you're, you know, and like, I think it's like, you're cool and like arrogant, but in a cool way and not like a annoying way. So like, yeah, hot shot your name. I'm like, I'm, wait, I, wait, wait, that's wait. That's literally the most. Wait, Jess, I think it should be hot pot. Hot pot? Because <laughs> I'm wearing my hot pot. <laughs> Apron? apron yes <laughs> but it was the most romantic thing a man has that's ever right. said to me that's in sweet. my life and uh Aww. so my, my call sign is hot shot <laughs> jess you're probably the next biggest star wars fan yes on this podcast right here. yes um what- i don't know i mean debated but I, I i just feel strong i just whenever i feel something it's just very like it, a lot what's your favorite uh, besides rogue squadron what Star Wars upcoming Star Wars project are you most looking forward to okay guys I hope we're all ready to go to horny jail with me because by asking me that question you're an accomplice I literally saw the Andor sizzle reel and I like literally (laughs) stopped functioning for a straight hour like both from like horniness and excitement and sadness which is how the character Cassian Andor makes me feel I love Rogue One I love this dialogue, a few that happened on Twitter a few weeks ago that said that Rogue One was the best Star Wars movie, period, which is something I'm inclined to believe. Yeah. Um, Cassian Andor is such an interesting character. I think he was probably the most successful execution of this like gray area Star Wars character that the sequel tried to do, and I don't think did pulled it off. But... We love spy movies. We collectively, I love spy <laughs> movies. I love spy dramas. He is uh, a morally gray character. So that's great drama, like dramatic shit. Again, not like the most, not a traditional action star. And it's a spy thing. So it's going to be a mix of like wit and and physical like action scenes. But also I feel like he has to like outsmart them, right? With like espionage and and 
and other stuff. And God, like Diego Luna, just he's number one on my hot pass. I'm sure I've said that on this show before. And and specifically Cassian Andor is number one on my hot pass. I am so ready for this. Uh, it's a prequel. So this is this sense of like mm-hmm. dramatic irony of you already know where it's going to end. But how did we get there? And like he's it's just. I just and it's, I think it's so relevant for our current political time, right? Like, what would you be willing to do to fight for the cause you believe in? Yeah, I love this idea, this concept, because like Star Wars, the original trilogies are all about like the heroes doing hero stuff, right? Um, good against evil, but like resistance and rebellion takes a lot of you know intrigue and spy work. And people on the ground, like building up contacts and assets, you know, um, stealing plans and gathering intelligence. I mean, I'd be very happy if this was just like the Americans, but Star Wars. Um, it's just like, you know, the Jedi side of the story is literally like there's the dark side and there's the light side. Right. And and I, again, they try to kind of complicate that in the new trilogy with this idea of balance and it exists. But like when you throw in like mitochondria and magic and space wizards, it's 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 that aspect of the Star Wars story is fantasy, and fantasy is usually pretty clear cut, yeah. good or bad, good versus. I mean, evil. I feel like that's the missed opportunity from the Solo movie was like Han Solo isn't like a good guy, but he's still portrayed as like the plucky rogue hero in Solo when he should have been a lot more gray. I mean, the most interesting part of Solo is when he legitimately shot first, yeah. right? Like that was the funnest part of the movie. Do, do we agree here um so yeah like more of that but i mean it's an origin story and there's a lot of like weird baggage you have to do i also like the fact that cassian andor you know rogue one was a great movie but it's one movie and it hasn't been that long it came out in 2016 so i don't think people are quite as precious and i hope they really let him like get a little bleaker get a little darker because he's a pretty fucked up person when we meet him in rogue one like in terms of like how delusion like deluded he is or you know he's like very oh he he's like i've done everything i've done is for the rev is for the resistance and um i've done some shit i'm not proud of but i had to do it i'm like what is the shit <laughs> and this is what that show's gonna explore yeah. yeah and andor was literally the one concept that i wanted out of the whole star wars day and it happened yeah so, i really uh, hope we get ks2 in this maybe we'll see their origin story of friendship Maybe. Uh, what I'm kind of hoping is that somehow they'll work it out that he meets Jabba um, because Diego Luna has been very vocal about how he always says oh my God, he to meet loves Jabba. Jabba. He wants to touch Jabba. Um, I get it. And, yeah. <laughs> so, so now that he can come back, you know, they can write that in somehow because I've always wanted to make his dream come true. Oh, way. me too. <laughs> also, let's be real. The non-Jedi characters of Star Wars, amazing space jackets. (laughs) Like, the leather jacketry in this show is gonna be insane. We're gonna see all the different, like, cantinas and, like, you know, scum and villainy places around the galaxy. It's gonna be so fun. And, like, that's... That's true. I love those. Because the Jedi side of... Like, the fashion on the Jedi side is pretty bland. It's a lot of robe wear. It's a lot of flowy things. I mean, like Luke's outfit in A New Hope is pretty slick. You know, when he comes back with like the Chanel black fit, the <laughs> Chanel boots. Um, but like, you know, like the le- like the jackets in Star Wars are just unparalleled. 
like mm-hmm. I I own a like a cosplay replica version oh, yeah. of Jin's jacket. It's fantastic. It makes you just feel very cool, and I love space jackets. Amazing. Whatever space outlet they go to to buy their cool space jackets, I wish we had one here, <laughs> like on Earth. Oh well, looking forward to. It's I can't believe I'm looking forward to Star Wars again. I mean, I do think their TV yeah. series has been more exciting. Like their series side has been maybe more successful overall than their film side. I mean, there's only one series out so far though. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. see. But it's been it was done very well and it's I the think gateway. they've proven that they can do series at the production level of the films. Yeah. So like yeah. there's no more like you know, that's not a like a limiting factor anymore. So I'm excited. Yeah. And, Who knew? But like the Rogue, yeah, Rogue Squadron though is going to be dope. That video, if like just based on Patty Jenkins' announcement video alone, like, yeah, it's going to be a dope ass movie. Yeah. Well, that's what's popping for this week. Um, when we come back, we're talking about House of Ho. Stick around. But we're still here and we're going strong. It's an exciting time in Asian America. There are more movies, TV shows, books, and music reflecting us than ever. But all of these represent just a small slice of Asian American culture and experiences. So what do we do? Tell more slices. Asian Americana is a show that explores these slices of distinctly Asian American culture and history. We've talked about how Chinese Americans built California's Sacramento Delta, the art scene turns gallery institution giant robot a play that explores the lost Cambodian pop music of the 60s and 70s, and, of course, Boba, just to name a few stories. You can find Asian Americana at asianamericana.com or on your podcast app. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Last week... The House of Ho, a new reality TV show, premiered on HBO Max. And like I mentioned, I finally figured out how to watch HBO Max through Amazon. So I'm very excited that I finally caught up to this um, series that both of you, Han and Jess, have been talking about and raving about for the past month since you both were able to get advanced screening copies of this season. Uh, But House of Ho is a reality TV show about the Ho family, a Vietnamese um, billionaire family from Houston, Texas. and Man, where do we start with this? I mean, I remember when this series was first announced and everyone was like, no, we don't want this. Do you guys remember the like the backlash to this was back when we were all still deep in our rep sweats and afraid that like, I feel like we, we all knew about like this side of Asian America that we weren't sure we wanted to show people. And we weren't sure if the community could handle a um, this type of show, like a Kardashians or like rich family type of show. But now that it's out, um, I want to say I was really pleasantly surprised. I mean, you, both of you have been speaking very positively about, about the show, which um, was already a good sign for me. But it turned out to be pretty watchable and kind of compelling. Um, what are your general thoughts about the show now that we can talk about it? Please, Han. Oh, I, okay. Please. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Vietnamese I women from Houston first. <laughs> okay. I was like, wait, Jess, are you going to speak? Okay. Um, so, yeah, like like you were saying, Rep Sweats, number one, I am from Houston um, and I am Vietnamese. And so I was very afraid. <laughs> um, it's not that I deny that there are rich and most likely very conservative Vietnamese people uh, in the community. 
but I just didn't want to let's necessarily give them a very popular platform. <laughs> um, and the thing is, it was the show was originally supposed to come out, you know, way long ago, like shortly after HBO Max launched. Um, it was I think they had changed the uh, release date to July. And I remember getting reached out to about the show premiering. And I was just thinking, July? While we're in the midst of all the Black Lives Matter <laughs> protests and everyone like talking about not just like, you know, uh, all, all the serious issues, but also just everyone who has been and and enduring like job loss and stuff like that. I was like, do we really need a, a picture of privileged people? on our TVs and then of all of them, Asian <laughs> people. And so uh, it, it anyway, the publicists after a while, they, it just kind of died down. They're like, no, we're going to actually wait. Cause they're um, so I thought that was interesting. And then um, so finally it came back and there was probably a reason why it came back later. Not just because of the timing of it, but I, from what I hear that they had to have rejiggered a little bit of it. Um, so this, I think this is the main reason why I found it more palatable. So here's the whole family. You got the father and mother, Bin and Wei. Um, they came over, of course, because, uh, they're refugees. They came from nothing. Literally, like the mom was talking about working at 7 Eleven. Stuff Circle like that. Circle K. Circle K. Um, Circle K, one of those. We, we, <laughs> we definitely had a Circle K across the street from my high school. Um, and uh, they built up the father built up the empire um, and they have three kids. Oldest daughter is named Judy and the two sons are named after presidents because, you know, he's super patriotic, this dad. So it's Washington and Reagan. Um, both Judy and Washington are married. They have kids and all of their kids, regardless of gender, are named after presidents. So you got like McKinley, Truman, Roosevelt, Kennedy, Kennedy. and who's the last Lincoln. one? Lincoln. Lincoln. Yeah. I think Lincoln's, Lincoln's a girl, the youngest right? girl, yeah. Lincoln's a girl. And I think the other one is McKinley. McKinley yeah. The other girl? Or is it Kennedy? I can't remember it's now. McKinley. But, McKinley's yeah, the there's girl. There's two girls. Yeah. Yeah. There's two girls and three boys, I think. And um, and Washington is, mar is married to a Vietnamese woman from Oklahoma named Leslie. And wow. So I was very surprised that the very first episode, right off the bat, they introduced something that I'm like, wow, uh, okay, I'm kind of interested, which is that Judy, uh, as the eldest daughter, starts talking about how like she's not treated that great because Vietnamese culture is super, super, super patriarchal, as is a lot of Asian cultures. But definitely treated it as a second class citizen in her own home um she's the oldest but no washington got all of the golden treatment um also that she is getting a divorce and that was a huge sort of reveal there and her parents being traditional vietnamese and catholic not into divorce so they're in denial um so anyway there's there's so many other stories along that those lines um i think washington's Wife Leslie is an amazing woman. She has a doctorate. She's a pharmacist. She works from home full time. She has the the three kids. She also has to take care of the man child who is her husband. Um, so it's like she has four kids. And it's just insane how much she does. And um she, you know, she's she's 
had a sort of a rude awakening because Washington, not that great of a husband or father. <laughs> so he, he seems to be more into partying and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, anyway. So yeah. those are just sort of the introductions. And yes. we can get it, into it a little <laughs> bit deeper. But Jess, you want to yes. take it from here? <laughs> yeah, I just think it's really brilliant that they basically Trojan horsed a pretty nuanced portrayal. Uh, as I say nuanced, but this is within the... Doc, the genre of docus so so i'm not saying this, these are like oscar worthy emmy work worthy documentaries but you know for us i don't typically watch docu soaps i'm not a bravo person um but that is a very large you know there's a there's a demographic that are obsessed with these kinds of shows and they are predominantly like white and they predominantly show like wealthy people that's kind of the genre or like people around wealth or the illusion of wealth right so they might be servers but they all look like models and work in like um you know like work in beverly hills so you know it's a it's, it's aspirational as all these shows but for for this genre the way they portrayed the family the dynamics and actually give a very like you think each character really does embody a certain perspective of like asian american vietnamese East american second generation like perspective in all the different kids like they all approach the relationship to the parents in a different way and in how traditional or how how much they want to follow like traditional Vietnamese values versus like American values, American Western values. Um, and they like are very articulate about talking about like that, their relationship, their feelings. And like even if they don't agree, there's a sense of like understanding, which I found very like so they really Trojan horse the pretty nuanced like story about this family like this American family into like the packaging of crazy rich Asians. I actually think it goes deeper than crazy rich Asians in like how they dissect like the family drama and like the feeling of belonging, not belonging, you know, who's valued, what's valued and what do you do when those are at odds with people you love. And I find, you know, I find the parents very annoying in the way I find all conservative old Asian parents annoying, including when my own parents you know, have those pops of it. And my my parents are very chill, liberal, like urban Chinese parents. Um, but, you know, they still have those pops of like old school values that I don't agree with. Um, and I've been having very, <laughs> uh, a lot of my friends have been watching it and, we're, and now the conversation is like, okay, who are you? Are you a Judy? Are you a Leslie? <laughs> like, how filial are you? In Like, how much filial piety do you have? Or... Are you just like I'm honestly a Reagan? Like I give I no mean, yeah. fucks. Obviously, I mean the the, th the three um, whole children. Yeah. You have Judy, who craves her parents like attention and um and respect. You have Washington, no, who I think thinks he deserves his parents' attention and respect. And you have Reagan, who just doesn't give a fuck. I think you actually have it mixed up. I think Judy does not. I think Judy has done everything that has been asked of her pretty much until this recent divorce, which is like a very interesting, I think, storyline arc through the season. Um, but she really she's like kind of accepted all the responsibility and knows that's not going to come with her being like the favorite. Right. Like as the oldest and as the daughter, which and like I also really like how they dissect like how the women are being treated in this family in in this particular like like traditional conservative asian culture right like they get the bad end of the deal um and then washington like needs his parents to like like him 
or like approve of him. He needs his parents to tell him what to do. When I talk in his about his marriage, when I and talk in about his yeah. life, yeah, when I talk about man child, that literally is it. Is like his mom told him to marry Leslie, and, and she, he did it. Yeah, and she even bribed him to marry Leslie and said, "If you marry this woman, you won't owe us anything." And so it's 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 just like he 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 keeps bringing this up like well my mom told me to marry her my mom t- and I'm just like holy crap did you not even like this woman like what it it almost sounds like and then he's like so far it's paid off and it it's just <laughs> ridiculous and so like the other like one of the other plots in here is like the dad is supposed to retire and then Washington should be taken over, but because Washington is so useless that his dad doesn't feel comfortable retiring yet. And he's like, you're just immature. You're just immature. And th- and who does he tell that he's not ready to retire yet? Washington's wife, Leslie. So <laughs> it's like he trusts her with the information, but not his own kids. You know, <laughs> it's just it's just insane. I do think the worst offense, like the parents, like not approving of Judy or like, you know, at the end of the day, they're still like supporting her financially. And that's, I think, also a really interesting like plot point of how as an Asian woman, just the things I saw on this show, I was like, you guys actually got so many of my like personal concerns as a woman, as an Asian woman, like right on the head. And I actually think it was that's amazing. Like between Leslie and Judy. And the relationship, like really between mostly between Leslie and Judy and how they approach work and their marriages and families. I was like, that's literally one of them was like living my biggest fear. And one of the which is like being married and like having a husband who has absolutely no help, does none of the work. You're responsible for the kids and managing his parents and doing all the emotional labor. That's like my number one nightmare in life. And that I, I that I like wake up in cold sweats from. And then Judy just realizing that she kind of has to live her life. So I'm actually really interested in like, like Marvin as an Asian (laughs) dude, as an Asian American dude, was any of this new to you? Like, did you, I mean, and I, from our friendship, I gather you are pretty like aware and like not, not a scummy dude. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That I'm aware of. Um, You know, and, and you seem to be like a good partner to your lovely girlfriend. And very considerate. Um, but I, I do wonder, like, has this revealed anything behind the curtain of, like, the Asian immigrant woman, like, daughter of immigrants, <laughs> second generation perspective life for you? I mean, I feel like personally, because I have a lot of female friends that you hear about this a lot, especially in, at our age when we're at a point where, you know, some of my friends are separated, some of my friends are raising kids and having to deal with parents that are getting older. And, you know, it's about this time when our parents start cashing in their checks, like their their filial piety checks on us um, because it's our turn to take care of like the family. And so we all know what it feels like to be guilted by our immigrant parents, right? We've all heard stories about how they work real hard. You know, not all of us are blessed with billionaire parents. Um, So we have to work hard as well. I mean, I just think the worst 
thing on the entire season was done to Leslie. Yeah, I mean, if, if there's any character by her mom, by the mom, that scene where her mom takes with, her takes yeah. a pharmacist to an Eastern medicine. Yeah, that's fine because that happens. <laughs> um, in real life, the the herbs would just appear in your kitchen one morning, and she Along would just tell Virgin you to Mary's, take it. But for right. the show, for the show, they gotta show you like shopping for it. No, the worst thing in the worst thing that was done in the season was to Leslie when was when Leslie was like saying, "Hey, like." Oh, at the racetrack. Washington has issues. Yeah. He and like knowing knowing what we learn later on in the season about like the history of what actually happened, but like that was not revealed at that time. But like you know, Leslie's opening up and be like, "Hey, he has issues with alcohol, and he his behavior is unacceptable." And her the mom, Washington's mom, just be like, "You just need to try harder." Yeah, that's the worst thing on that. That's the worst. Like actual, like I could like excuse everything else with like difference of perspective, but like that, I'm just like, oh, you suck, <laughs> well, lady. Between that and honestly, I actually did think the herbalist thing I didn't like because the reason why she was bringing her to the herbalist was because Washington complained that Leslie was just, uh, she wasn't calm or whatever it was. It whatever they were arguing. Washington and Leslie were arguing. And so the mom immediately thought Leslie needed to calm down because she talks too much. And so she just brought her to the herbalist, whereas she just wasn't calm because Washington wasn't doing shit. <laughs> so it's kind of like gaslighting her. Oh, and yeah. then, you know, saying, why don't you just cook him some food? It was like, I'm so stressed out. I have so much to do. And then she'll be like, well, you know, the nanny cooks. Why don't you cook instead? And I'm like, the nanny is there to help her out. <laughs> because so, and, and the fact that none of the she's the only one with a full time job. I'm like, where yeah. is your husband? Of all of that second generation, she's the only one who worked. Well, works Reagan full-time. works like, but he's not yeah. part of the show, really. But yeah, works full time. Does Judy work? It, I know she's a lawyer, but I've never. Seen- <laughs> no, but no, that was also a plot point. She basically left her career to raise the kids. Mm. And that yeah. is why she regrets it, because basically now she's 100 percent financially dependent on her dad. Yeah, because, you and, know, she, she yeah. has three kids, so she left her job so she could do that. But she had a husband at the time. I love and that. Then now that she's divorcing. I, I love yeah. that they never reveal his name. He's just the ex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably doesn't. Maybe doesn't I mean, want he, to be named. He didn't but, sign. I mean, that, he, that, that's my. He obviously didn't sign the media release because his face is blurred yeah, out. That, that's also my second nightmare. My second nightmare. And this is why I think this show's actually like pretty, like been pretty good about showing like this reality, this certain reality. Like even though they are wealthy and obviously have a social net, I'm like, she. I don't think she like stopped working. I mean, she stopped working as a choice to take care of the kids, probably because that was expected of her. Mm-hmm. Right, like there's oh, a sense, like like you you're the woman you need to take oh, care of the kids. I don't know what her the mom definitely pulled her aside and said you should consider quitting your job now because you're married. Oh and yeah, have kids. right. Like you you need to be there for your kids, right? Like the, your number one job is being a mother, and now she's like kind of shit out of luck. The one thing though I have to say in defense of the dad is that at some point Washington w- goes and whines to him like why isn't Leslie like respecting me and blah 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 and all this <laughs> stuff. Of course, forgetting that his wife is working full time and taking care of the kids full time and taking care of him. But the dad finally puts it into perspective for him. He's like, well, she's not exactly like your mom because your mom came here with nothing, no degree, no whatever. And so all she could do was just support me by being a housewife and, you know, raising the kids. Your wife. Like went to school, got degrees, yeah, like educated, and he works. was like, "Yeah, he's he like, you treat her like an equal, you know, you have to because she's she has 
and education. So it's kind of like, um, duh. Loki, they were kind of like, she's better than you. <laughs> well, yeah. at least the well, dad was exactly. like, she's, she's better than you. Like, don't fuck yeah. this up. Well, that was, she so can, that was an interesting she, she thing. She could probably actually live without you. If she wanted to. Well, no, she, she couldn't. Um, that was sort of interesting thing that she kind of brought up was there's this uh, sort of a concept they call it like a jeet high, which is like older sister, um, where they become kind of the second mom to the family. And so, first of all, that was Judy's role um because she was literally the older sister and so that's why you see washington going to her for so much because he's always gone to her for advice and stuff like that in addition to his parents he th- he really literally doesn't have any sort of like self like autonomy um and then now that he's married and he's married a very super competent woman then everyone still is relying on her so she's become the new high and so now the parents are both you know, coming to her and putting on more duties on her instead of giving anything to Washington. That's what I think is hilarious. It's like, you need to be more mature. I'm like, give him something to do. And then later on, you find out that like, he's lost money, millions of dollars of money for the yeah. Yeah. All this I, stuff. I'm just it's, like, it's just so triggering that scene where like, they're planning the retirement party and then Washington's supposed to plan it. And then they're like, oh, just let Leslie do it because you're going to fuck it up. <laughs> yep. And I was just like, this is such a like, Again, this is like nightmare number three. This is like everything wrong with like, like the like heterosexual relationships, right? Like he's terrible, totally totally useless. It's like he seems to be a sweet guy, but kind of just clueless. And that's where I'm like, I I I wish him the best as far as like when it comes to his like alcoholism and stuff like that. But at the same time, I'm like, you really now if you've got that in hand, you need to actually work on everything. I mean, yeah, if this show was like a drama or dramedy. Like Leslie would be the main character. She would be like the Rachel Chu character who like gets dropped into this rich world because she's like a self-made woman. She comes from a working class household. She, you know, put herself through. I mean, I don't know if she put herself through school, but she went through 10 years of school and she's dropped into this rich world where everyone around her is pretty much like held back by their own like nouveau riche upbringings, like not having to worry about money ever. Like, yeah, the the amount of talk about not looking at price tags and and how many commas that those price tags may have it's just ridiculous yeah <laughs> and so she's doing what we all do which is walk to the sales <laughs> section when they go on when they go shopping in dallas they take a private plane to dallas to go shopping and she's like where's the sales section um but yeah it, it, it's it's i don't know and i i i do i do enjoy, do enjoy the women on this show but i do have to ask like okay like obviously things are exaggerated and think narratives are crafted for a docu-soap but I also find it very interesting that Leslie is also just for like way more traditional than any yes. of the other kids are like more than any of the Ho children are. And she it's so weird because she's literally the most like capable, competent, educated, badass of them all. I mean, Reagan's pretty badass, too. But, you know, of the of the three we follow. And then she ends up almost like, as Judy mentions, like the last episode, like being more conservative, almost like turning into like maybe a version of their mom. Well, she is super traditional and raised traditionally, but she was also raised not rich. And that's mm-hmm. the biggest issue. And so, you know, that's why she still tells Washington, despite them having money, like, you know, you don't need to spend and get this jewelry for me. And it's like, why can't I wear 
this dress the second time and all this other stuff. It's like, yeah. what is the point of all this excess? She she clearly, of course, you know, still likes nice things. But yeah, like she didn't grow up rich, so she doesn't think that way. Also, is there anything less attractive than getting an expensive piece of jewelry slash present from your boyfriend from using his parents' money? <laughs> like that yes. ain't sexy. Well, it, that's not yeah. sexy, Han. Marvin, it's that's so not gross. sexy. Don't do that. It's Don't do that. So gross. Oh. It's just him. like you just either spent your dad's money or my money that I earn as a pharmacist. That's, like, that what the hell scene, are you that's doing? That's cute that you that think my girlfriend so trusts my decision-making abilities in buying her jewelry. Oh, yeah. I also <laughs> just don't think, like, you should be buying people jewelry because I think that's so personal, like, in terms of taste. And I, I've I've told my boyfriend, do not buy, you're not allowed to buy me jewelry, except it's, the engagement <laughs> ring. It's basically, I, yeah, yeah. You, you basically find out what jewelry they like and then you and then you buy from that selection, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I sent him, I just sent him Instagram links, so. Yeah. yeah, don't, you know, take the guesswork out of it. Like, unless someone is impeccably, you know, like, intuitive like most most of my well yeah most of the people i've dated are have not been i would rather not get jewelry oh my god can i tell you that my first like college my first boyfriend in college like got me jewelry this is why i say no like blanket no jewelry rule he got me a piece of jewelry for valentine's day and it was the most horrendous thing and my reaction was not graceful and this was done publicly, like we were in a restaurant. I was like, oh, God. And I knew I was being ridiculous and being a dick, like in the moment. But like, I couldn't help it. Like my face, because I can't hide anything. I so know. my face was just like, oh, yeah. What was Thank it? You. It was from Zales. <laughs> and it was from the SpongeBob collection. <laughs> and it was not my taste. Let's just say that. I mean, oh, bless his heart. That poor guy. SpongeBob collection. He probably thought he was. And, he... and we have never. It's not like we talked about like I had this deep love for SpongeBob or anything. Like there was, there was no reason. There was no, no inkling of that. He probably was so proud of himself too. He probably like he was so yeah, proud of himself. And that's why I felt so is like a bad. Because like, yeah, I'm a big boy now. I'm buying jewelry and. And my thing is when I and it's it was worse when I was younger. But my when I when I panic, I I, I stream of consciousness monologue. Mm-hmm. So I was saying every single thought going through my head. I was like, oh no, like thank you so much. I'm like oh yeah, that's really sweet. I know you worked really hard, but I know I'm not gonna like it, and I know my face is gonna show it. And then like, but like you look so proud, and I don't want to hurt your feelings. But like I'm just gonna tell you that I'm not gonna like it. And oh, I hope you didn't spend too much. Like I said that out loud. I love it. <laughs> On our Valentine's Day date. I we did it for three years, though. So, mm. you know, it's fine. I'm so in love with this story. I might have to steal it. Like, it's <laughs> That's so fine. Good. That's it's fine. So it's, I have so many. Please use all of them. There's the there's a lot of weird things that happens. Like, like when you date Asian guys, when you date Chinese boys and they wear a fucking piece of jade. And when you're like trying to get down and the jade hits you in the face <laughs> and you're like, sorry, can you please take off your auspicious jade? Thank you. Like, that is also very specific to this culture <laughs> it was also just super cringeworthy watching him like hand out the gifts as if he were some big dude you know it's your dad's money dude yeah. it's just it was just so gross kind of like uh everyone just was gr- doing that grimace <laughs> okay but can we talk about one of my other favorite characters in this show nate dr nate, nate. <laughs> Dr. Nate Wynn, by the way. Dr. Nate Wynn. Uh, Marvin, are you a fan of Dr. Nate? I think he's cool. He seems very earnest. I feel like if there is a season two, he's going to get destroyed by this family. 
but he seems i mean him and leslie seem to be the two with like the most like stable heads on their shoulders um i did enjoy him balking at the price of the shoes that uh judy was looking at at the mall i do like that line like shoes shouldn't have commas (laughs) seriously like you know because the thing is he is also a very successful doctor um he clearly has money and so it's not that he he doesn't can't afford it but just like any sane person who hasn't grown up with money he economizes he he he's careful with it you know i have one issue with dr nate though is that in the last episode where he like surprise proposes to Mm -hmm. judy and as someone who's trying to make a good impression to conservative these parents that seems like a a a bad move and b isn't she still going through her divorce like isn't like proper etiquette to like Wait till that shit's squared away before you like make. Nah, a move. it's 2020, man. <laughs> Kim Kim Kardashian got married to Kanye West 72 days after her divorce. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's just an engagement, you know. Yeah, and then They're as not, we like, legally yeah. married, I yet. did love yeah. the scene where they were toasting the 2020. Yeah! Yeah. Yay! Mm. It's a great year. So auspicious. You know, you're <laughs> also you're the rat. Not enough rats. Um. Right. That like yeah, having a reality TV show that episode on lunar new year was was pretty amazing i thought yeah i really enjoyed that i wish they actually dug into it a little bit more you know um i I guess they had to show you know her getting the elsa dress or whatever but (laughs) the elsa aldai from yeah the elsa aldai and then you know i i did appreciate the seeing the uh the designer in houston oh, i what Dan, danny win was that his name danny Wynn. yeah danny win because it's funny that's my cousin's name that's not my cousin um but uh <laughs> he's very flamboyant has a great mustache wasn't uh, great yeah. oh no yeah it, it he, he had, yeah it's yeah. great no, because cool. it fits his his persona his, his vibes yeah it's great because you want to walk in and just enjoy the the theatrical you know ness of it so um yeah i very much enjoyed it and i would never be able to walk into that store so uh <laughs> but yeah i i, I kind of wish you know instead of all the sort of the trappings of it i wish we saw them do more like even if it was just like eating more or showing like there's a lot I, of I was good very food much on the show yeah, yeah. I did appreciate how much food they showed, how much food that the mom was making. That's like the thing that I liked about the mom the most, I guess, yeah. was her cooking. As like a rich matriarch, yeah. like having her cook her it's own food. It's a rich food. Asian yeah. thing. It yeah, it doesn't matter yeah. how rich you get, you're gonna you're gonna make your own Viet food and do your own it's, shopping. You don't trust no bitch to pick out yeah. your fruit for you. It tastes better and also she does it right. Um I also like that, you know, like you're it any it doesn't matter how rich you are, there is um that was the they she shopped at the one major vietnamese um grocery store in houston of course. which is Because there's no fancy um, vietnamese like supermarkets out there everyone yeah it's the great I mean, equalizer everyone yeah. shops at the same place because it's the only place you can get your asian vegetables your asian fruits and sauces yeah we have other um asian markets and and some actually a really cool japanese market now in houston but it's definitely fancier and Viet Hoa is where you get all of your fish from the tanks and all of that. The weird fruit, you could probably find durian there. Every Everyone goes there. So I was very happy to have seen that. And yeah, the food is a highlight, but I think they actually could have emphasized it a bit more, especially for the new year, because 
you know, those those foods and those traditions, I think, are very important. Like, I am not very Vietnamese in certain ways, but like, it's kind of I I do miss it, like not being able to celebrate with my family. And so even in L.A., I in the very least try to get dumplings or noodles or something with my friends when I'm here. Yeah. I mean, speaking of things that we wish they spent more time on, I did wish we had more than just like it took way too long to get to Reagan. And I understand that he's like doesn't want anything to do with the day to days of his family. But like it took like what, five episodes to we actually saw what he looked like. And I love that, like when they introduced him, they showed that throwback picture of the three siblings in the 90s. And they were all they're wearing <laughs> the halter top, the white T-shirts with the spiked hair. I was like. It was good to see that Asian culture also flourished in Houston as well as like. A- oh, my God. It was crazy. Like. People knew Vietnamese people in in Houston. It's like there were so many puns about all of our names, you know, <laughs> like it, we were very mainstream and then definitely the hair. Um, but and then also very strong. Everyone played tennis with the exception of me. <laughs> Um, but all the Asian people mm, and definitely Vietnamese yes, people play tennis yes. in Houston. So, yeah, I just have no hand-eye coordination. So I, I played soccer. I, I think Reagan actually think, you know, regard. I think he you know, obviously doesn't want probably doesn't want to be on the show like very much and doesn't spend that much time with his family because he's like probably like the liberal black sheep. Um, but I will say I actually don't know if it'd be smart to have him on the show all the time because there is no drama with him in inter- there's no internal drama with him he knows exactly who he is and he does not care about what his parents think which is great tv once in a while but like if you keep having it all the time you'll be like yeah reagan's obviously the like <laughs> voice of reason why don't you listen to him like judy just listen to him like he got your back like it, it takes away from everybody else's like internal conflicts if you have like a very stable like like, what would his arc be? He's like, yeah, my parents, I mean, I love my parents, but they're crazy and so are my siblings. And like, yeah, I'm going to call them out on it. <laughs> like, I'm going to speak my truth every time. Like, it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's interesting to see how him saying that makes the other people feel. Mm-hmm. But he himself is so solid as like a person. I don't think it would make for the best reality yeah. TV. Yeah, he's, he's super calm. But the interesting thing is he's also very Texan. So he has a pickup truck. He goes hunting. All That's that right. stuff that you don't necessarily... Are you into that, huh? Do you want some of that? Can we, like, can we get his <laughs> number for you? Hey, I mean, Reagan. I don't know if this is being like, this is like me talking shit or whatever, but like, I couldn't tell if Washington had an accent or was he just drunk all the time? It's, I think it's a... It, I think it's his own accent, but I think it's very much a Houston... Um, running in those circles mm. accent because i've definitely heard it from when my cousins were a little younger they kind of there's a, sort of an affectation and so th- that's how all the dudes talk because right. reagan does you know, have a, a slight version of that accent as well right yes reagan has a drawl yeah. he definitely has a drawl whereas judy does not which i think is interesting but yeah i think among the guys definitely and then but reagan judy wasn't allowed to hang out with them mm-hmm. and like spend nights out because she's a girl <laughs> yeah because we're be real here because kind of the like Reagan's, I think, is a bit more Texan, but I think Washington's is a bit more. Um, how do I say it? Like a lot of Vietnamese guys who want to be like really cool were probably also like really drawn to hip hop. So a, a little affect of like black yes, scent. Exactly. That's what mm-hmm. I think it is with a little bit of Texan in there, too. And, and we all know Asian guys who yeah. do that. <laughs> Even yeah. here. Right. Like we know, especially when you're talking about like him throwing like 
bundles of money, uh, you know, on the poker table and stuff like that. He's definitely uh, playing up an image and, you know, that goes along with the image. So, um, I mean, Washington's super annoying. I'm not going to like, yeah. <laughs> like he's super annoying, but also like we all know Washington's like in, we all know a Washington somewhere in our life. He might be close, might be far. I have no use for Washington. Like <laughs> just the, those uh, that type of person in my life just would not be in my life. Yeah, I, I'd have to yeah. say just like, oh, you're going to go to Washington's party. I don't want to go. I yeah, mean, but the show would not work without Washington. Absolutely. Um. It's interesting because I, I haven't written it up yet, but I did actually interview Judy. Um, and uh, it was interesting because they had the publicist had first pitched me Washington. And I was just like, <laughs> I no, don't want to talk to him. I'm sorry. Do you want to watch a grown man cry? <laughs> Hannah's going to eviscerate him. Why are you such a shitty husband? Yeah. Why are so you such I a shitty like, father? This is not the interview you want me to be having publicists. So I was like, I'd rather speak to Judy. Yeah. And so um, I would be curious yeah. if he's still staying sober because that was the development towards the end of the series where he starts to try to change for his wife and actually resists drinking during the Lunar New Year party. Um, well, yeah. So what I can tell you is that they recently did a Q&A for the premiere and um, he is still sober as of now. So, yeah. Good for him. Yeah. yeah that's why I'm just like, you know what? I I. I wish him the best. This is step one yeah. of getting your life back. Yeah. Yeah. And like you, you still owe your wife a shit ton of like, honest, like I, I mean, like if a spoiler alert, if anyone hasn't finished the series <laughs> or gotten to like the end of like five or six episode five or six, I forgot, but like, you know, the incident, this big incident that they keep talking about, like is revealed like towards the end of the series is that like Leslie had to call the cops on Washington when he was drunk because she felt threatened by his behavior and threatened for her family, her kids. And I'm just like, damn, like, mm -hmm. I don't know if I like, I have very mixed feelings about this. Cause I feel like, like Leslie just like, Les like Leslie again, capable, smart woman. But I'm like, are you like gonna like, uh, like I feel so conflicted about her, like her decision to like stay and work it out. I would have cut. I mean, this this is what she's been bred to be is the perfect wife. And that means like bleeding to death in order to have her. Family. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I think the show like canonizes that as opposed to being like, this is like a tragedy in a way. Oh, that, oh like, yeah. You I was. Being, yeah. So I'm just like you uh, like like I don't think he's done in like on camera. We have not been shown in this show that he's really done enough. Like cutting drinking was the bare minimum. He should have right. been like, I will like hear all the other things I'm going to do better to like make, you know, so we can work on this and so I can be a better person. Like, but they see like, oh, he stopped drinking. So there's the there there's the solution. I'm like, no, like it was bad enough that she called the cops. Yeah. It's, she, it's that's like abusive, you know, like it's, it's a form of abuse, if not straight physical, then like, like psychological, emotional, like, mm -hmm. like, so she's basically has been in an abusive relationship. Yeah. Yep. Or a, a toxic one. Definitely. Oh, it borderline is. Abusive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I'm just like, oh, like, shouldn't like, oh man, like, I don't really like how the show is portraying like her deciding to stay and then working out as is like happily ever after. Yeah. I mean, yeah. her character is like, she's characterized as someone who 
is able to endure a lot for the sake of like a stable family. She would probably be what like um, the parents wish Judy was, was someone who can endure and like, you know, stick it out. Um, And so, I mean, that's the thing with this, with this show is like, yeah, it Trojan horse is a lot of like these issues that we find in Asian families, Mm -hmm. especially conservative Christian ones uh, where things like this, like this isn't something that's like unique to this rich family. This happens in families everywhere. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mm-hmm. I think it's also important that you do have these two women who you think initially are very similar, Judy and Leslie. But Judy, because she even Judy says, like, at the very beginning, that how Leslie's relationship is with Washington is very similar to how Judy's was with her husband. And she just couldn't take it anymore. And so she was divorcing. Whereas they show the flip side with Leslie that she's in that situation, but she doesn't divorce. So it's kind of like shows the two ways that the women are still seeing their reality. And Leslie still thinks, finds value in those traditions because she's, I mean, it's been drilled into her and, and I wouldn't take it. And I think it's, it like, I don't know how many times during the season i just felt so sad for leslie like right every <sighs> single time like when the father confides in her when the mom takes her to the herbalist when the mom's like every single time i'm just like when she said that she thought washington was her prince and i was just like <laughs> oh honey like every single time i was just like how can you break down this woman who has like is amazing has given your life but the, her one really big flaw is that she doesn't fight back enough and decide that she's worth more than this and and i don't think that she has a lack of necessarily like self-esteem but i think she really has well drunk the kool-aid and so I, yeah. I feel horrible. Um, I hope. And here's the other thing. When it comes to Washington, yes, the very minimum is stop drinking. He needs to do more. But I think also people need to tell him what to do. So they yes. need to list it and say, here's your next step of becoming an adult, you know, and like lay it out for him so he can follow that next step. Because if and he, he just, doesn't have just those voices around enabled, him, right? At uh, yeah. most he has... Yeah. Um, he has Leslie who's trying to trying to push him down that path, but because she's the wife, um, he disregards her real easy. And you have Reagan who like tries, he, he's not taking an active role, but he does like ask some leading questions like, what do you think? What about what they think? What about this? Right. Um, but other than that, like we haven't talked about Antina, who's like the breakout character. Um, but even her like constant rationalization of traditional Vietnamese values, like how that's just the way it is, is super problematic. And like it led oh, me yeah. to not entirely like her character at all yeah i didn't really like auntina she was fine for you know for being the fun crazy aunt who like celebrates her birthday every wednesday at happy hour um but she just when leslie was saying the stuff about like washington's you know drinking problem auntina was rationalizing that that's just him having fun you know and and wasn't listening uh it, it was it was and I think there was, you know, there are other parts when it came to like Judy being single and stuff like that. But then also, Antina loves her uh, white men. <laughs> she, she loves the white Chris's. Yeah, yeah. She, but she, like Chris Pine is hot, so I will yeah, give it no, that to her. Chris Pine is the best Chris. And, um, but she loves Chris Hemsworth. She loves uh, Brad Pitt, you know, and she was even asking Judy, like, do you date white guys? <laughs> um, oh, and Judy's like, no, they're boring. I was like, oh, that's. <laughs> 
I feel yeah. you on the spirit. I mean, that one white dude that they tried to pick up at that bar was pretty boring. He was not attractive at all. Was he even white? I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah, but he was also boring just because it was a random dude. Um, so I was like, there are definitely better people you could have found. But uh, <laughs> you're going to like cast and throw some people along the way. But yeah, I, I mean, but it showed, just goes to show like that. That generation still as as liberal as she may seem, you know, um, definitely are still all about like holding up Washington to this like incredible standard without I mean like not incredible I don't standard. know if There's we can no call Antina liberal no liberal in her own way in that she's definitely like very Americanized yeah. and like she's definitely like having supportive right, in terms of like yeah I get it yeah that makes sense yeah so, so she's not liberal politically <laughs> she's just not traditional in certain ways but anyway yeah so I was a big fan of cousin Sammy though she's just like there for the ride you know, not really getting involved. Just like Washington takes me to parties. Let's do it. I mean, she's also his assistant, and so in some ways, she's an enabler. I thought, and and only a couple times did I notice that she did say something to sort of counter him. So at first, I didn't like her. Later on, I was like, okay, maybe you're better than uh, what I thought. <laughs> but she actually just didn't have as much screen time as I thought she'd have. No, and we didn't really get her like own. There was no internal story or struggle for yeah. her either. Yeah, right? I knew she's nothing just kind about of like her. A, she's just really kind of there for Washington to talk to, <laughs> so that we can get drama. Because Leslie and Judy talk to each other about Washington, so Washington needs someone who's not his parents to talk to. Mm. Uh, speaking of Leslie and Judy talking to each other, like that scene when they're taking the sex quiz from the magazine. <laughs> It's just so great because, like, Leslie comes out of the shoot thinking, like, wow, Judy is just, like, really wild and a little raunchier than I thought she'd be. But And then she still was graded as vanilla, whereas Leslie was totally vanilla. <laughs> oh, sweet summer child Leslie. Yeah, I mean, she's like from Oklahoma. And she's... I mean, we don't really see her family, oh, right? So we don't really know what type of environment she grew up in. And I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if her family turned out to be just as conservative or even more than than the hoes are right because the hoes are at the end really rich so they probably have more decadent you know tastes and lifestyle well, she talks about it she says that yeah her parents are more conservative and the whole she says they think the hoes are a little out there <laughs> um and so and she's and you know she talks about how like when washington first came to meet her family he was like very too casual mm. and so her like her parents were just like not down <laughs> so, yeah so that would be interesting down the line. Hope we get a season two. Um, yeah, so. I'd, yeah, I'd love to see more from the parents' perspective too, because I realized this when the season was mostly dedicated to Leslie Washington and Judy uh, and their stories. Like we we get the parents, but we we don't really get deep into their stories. Like we know that they came, they're refugees, but we don't know what kind of like you know. There's different kinds of refugees as well, right? What wave did they come in? Did they you know were they able to escape from the first wave, or were they were they both people? Were they how did they end up where they were? And also just, I don't know, maybe part of it is just the language barrier. But most of what we got was like the mom being passive aggressive or like not smiling or not giving straight answers and the dad being awkward, right? He would come, say hi, and then, okay, I'm going to go now. Bye. So I wish they would let them speak to each other in Vietnamese yeah. and just subtitle it. 
I think if you, if there's a second season, there would be more of that because um, so from the Q&A I watched, um, apparently at the very beginning, the parents didn't actually understand what a reality show was. <laughs> they thought it was going to be a straightforward documentary about living the American dream. And so I don't think they understood that it would be a day to day getting their dramas and all that type of stuff. So they they didn't have as many like talking head moments, you know, as you saw. And if there's a second season, I think that after having watched this, they'll probably kind of understand a little bit better about format yeah. and like the possibilities. Because they didn't come out looking that great from the show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would definitely just wish that they did more talking head moments where and speaking in Vietnamese, because although the dad seems to know English pretty well, like he because also he was the businessman. So he probably had to use English more um, in his dealings in Houston. But the mom clearly didn't know that much. And so um, her understanding of the show may be different. Did you enjoy all of um, Bin Ho's dad jokes? Because he made one every single dinner scene. This is, I mean, I, look, I know all dads <laughs> and all moms make these types of jokes. But like, in particular, in my family, we really like the Vietnamese punning is ridiculous because your last names are so easy to pun with. Well, Vietnamese puns, that is. Oh, not American puns. Oh, my God. (laughs) Even better. Yeah. And so, I mean, but see, look, Chinese does puns, but the puns like that we know of are mainly about like things that sound like gold or whatever, things that like sound like other things. So that way, that's why it's like lucky. Whereas, you know, and I'm sure there's stuff like that in Vietnamese, but like growing up just hearing my mom and her her sisters together the my limited vietnamese and i would just be like what the <laughs> just just shaking my head all the time but then of course i love american puns or english puns and so i'm just like is that just my birthright <laughs> um but yeah dad jokes i i i dug it like that was like the i most like human the whole puns <laughs> yeah i think they're fun oh yeah we also in houston there are plenty of ho puns you know <laughs> I did appreciate that they um, something that, that I've noticed with some of my Vietnamese friends and I was glad to see it portrayed on screen was the fact that um, the entire family lives on the same street. Oh, yeah, oh that's God. very Asian. My family all lives on the same street, too. <laughs> that would be they my just mom. come over. Yeah. That'd be Yankees. my mom's dream. <laughs> You're always just over at everyone's house. Yeah, like, I mean... We don't necessarily, we've definitely had multi generational fam like families occupying like my household. Like, have I randomly had relatives who just came over just living in my house in like the dining room that we converted into a bedroom? <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And, and they, and it's been like a revolving door. It's like every few years it'd be like, here's your aunt. I'm like, oh, cool. Never met her before. And here's your grandparents. Cool. So, um, yeah, that's very normal. I've had both my grand- <laughs> sets of grandparents in my household before. Um, but I do have to say maybe because we're this generation, my generation is more westernized. We don't live with our parents um, and and we don't necessarily live on the same street with our parents. But because he but we, you know, I have to say everyone in my generation all lives still in Houston with the exception of me in LA and one other cousin in New York. So we're the black. So people. you're the Reagan. You're the, yeah, Reagan. We're the Reagan. I think we're all the Reagan guys. Yeah. We're, we all went into yeah, we're the Reagan. arts and entertainment. <laughs> we're all the Reagan. 
Yeah, that actually literally is it because my cousin in New York runs a bar. So nice. <laughs> totally mm-hmm. different from all the other like jobs that my my cousins and brothers uh, have in Houston. Ooh. Are they all energy? <laughs> well, I know, but they, you know, they're various other very good jobs like engineer mm. um computer oh, do any of them work for nasa i wish <laughs> i wish um but uh there is my one cousin does work in the energy corridor which is a new sort of <laughs> business area but they're all spread out um yeah well as we wrap up our discussion of the house of ho uh in the end something i want to ask you both is did we want this? I think we do. It's, you know, it's it surprised me more than, I mean, I, I mean, definitely in the camp that was like not down for this in the beginning, but having seen the show, I think it like, look, we just talked a full freaking <laughs> hour about this docu soap reality TV show. Yeah. I could not do this with the Kardashians, like one, seven episodes of the Kardashians or, you know, like as, as you know, infiltrative mainstream as they are. I, I think this show actually brings up really really interesting questions about family and immigration and values and like second generation conflicts and like i think it's really well done yeah i mean i i have no experience watching docu soaps at all so this is my first one and i think i mean i don't know if the others are like this i've never seen a kardashian i've never seen a no shahs of sunset or any of those but I wonder if this will this has ruined those for me because they're not the same. I mean, I haven't watched those either. Like I've I tried an episode of Kardashians and never finished it. So but from what I can just tell from the outside, as far as like the stories written about them and stuff like that, like these types of stories aren't in them. This this is I do feel is a new narrative among the privileged docusoap, you know, genre. And that's where I have to give some credit to the whole family as far as like, I think they took it upon themselves to try to use this opportunity in the spotlight to do something different. Um, that is something that they've mentioned in the Q and a was they're like, let's actually try to talk to each other because notoriously, you know, Asian families, but very much Vietnamese families do not talk about anything of substance regarding feelings or mm-hmm. existential <laughs> you know things yeah it's more like, like addiction or substance abuse yeah. or patriarchy or i mean even you know, di- toxic relationships divorce yeah even divorce like i grew up where one of my aunts that it was just hush hush for a long time and, it, and until i realized like oh, she's a divorcee and married into our family. So her oldest daughter is not actually my uncle's daughter. And they kept making jokes about how it, like that daughter took after him. And I didn't understand why they kept laughing and until my mom told me later. And I was like, why is that a secret? <laughs> like, oh, I can do you one better. In my family, one of my cousins, second, like more distant, not like in my first cousin circle, one of my cousins didn't find out her like dad wasn't her dad until she was like an adult. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell, guys? Like, you you all thought this was a good idea? Yeah. It, it's it's kind of crazy just how hush hush that is. But it's just it really is that sort of generational thing. Um, My my cousin got a divorce and 
I'm sure it actually took a while for him to even come to that point because, you know, he's also very Christian, not Catholic, but one of those Christians. I don't know. I'm very bad at those. Um, but yeah, it took him a long time, but he is now married and has two kids. So he's super, super happy. Uh, he's a youth. Like, I think he was a minister and does all these other things, too. So it's like it's still very much frowned upon in my in my family, even in this generation. So um, the hold from the old country is very <laughs> strong. But yeah, so that is exactly why, like, I don't, I I would just hope that, like, any time in their spotlight doesn't actually hurt them anymore. Like, I wouldn't want, you know, Washington to backslide or anything like that and get any sort of fame to go to his head. But if all these good things that came out of it hold, I wouldn't mind seeing what happens next with them. Because I would like to see justice for Leslie. Justice for Leslie. We want to see. I want to see if Nate and and Judy make it down the aisle. Want to see if the the parents ever, you know, calm the fuck down <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Reagan get a girl. Oh, oh, like Reagan should drop in like one to two episodes oh. every single season <laughs> and just drop truth bombs, like detonate it and then leave. Like that is oh, his role. Like that's the best use of instruction. You know, there are a ton of like single women desperately web stalking reagan ho right now trying to figure out where he oh, is oh he's he's public now his instagram's <laughs> public now i have stalked him you know just to try to get oh, i'm doing this for you han <laughs> apparently judy was also like oh yeah the mo- the most frequent dm i've gotten is is reagan single oh Hook my a God. sister up wow Amazing. okay that's sad <laughs> i mean no. yeah well as you can see um, the three of us, not necessarily DocuSoul fans, but fans of House of Ho, because I wouldn't even say strangely compelling. It's just compelling TV that we we don't see that often. And we hope that, you know, we see more of reality of this style because you can be messy while still also teaching and learning. I think that's that's kind of the power of this show. Um, so, yeah, come for the trash. Stay for the cultural education, I guess. <laughs> uh, but check it out House of Ho is streaming now on HBO Max all seven episodes are on there and they're they're real short they're like 30 minutes each so you can finish it all in like a day if you really want to um, Jess Han thank you so much for joining me and talking about the House of Ho if people want to follow you on social media where can they go you can find me on Twitter at Jess Jew Tweets and you can find me at Anonymous. You can find me at Marvin. Yeah, you can find the show at Good Pop Club and check out other episodes of the show by going to goodpop.club Special thanks to the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-hosted podcasts that we're a part of. Check out our fellow Asian-hosted shows by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, um, next week is Christmas. So if we don't get a chance to speak to you uh, before then, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah. And um, yeah, stay safe out there. Don't die. The vaccine is within <laughs> reach. Don't die in these last few months. And don't kill anybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>
Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. We're the host of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Every month we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a wide variety of genres from contemporary to historical fiction, fantasy to memoirs, and crime thrillers to romance. Some of our past book club picks are Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, and Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino. We also go over what's new in the Asian American literary world and chat with some talented Asian authors about their work. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.